Throwback week down at Gillette Stadium where the Patriots are going to be wearing their Pat Patriot red jerseys for the first time since October 2012, a 29-26 overtime win over the Jets, who, yes, actually used to push the Patriots to overtime and to honor and celebrate the return of Pat Patriot. We bring on the modern-day Pat Patriot, the most recognizable face of Patriots fandom, Nick Fitzy. Stevens, big grin on your face. I think that is the widest smile and now your third appearance on the pod that I've ever seen. You don't have a musket. You don't have a colonial hat. Thank God, but you do have some Patriots optimism. You're ready to shoot out for us, red, white, and blue. Why this thing is going to get turned around, don't you? Oh, you bet I do, my man. And uh, being called the Pat the Patriot of modern-day contemporary Foxborough faithful, no greater honor or title could be bestowed upon me. I was actually using that game that you just mentioned earlier as like a little bit of a gateway trivia for people this week that I've been in conversation with about how great it's going to be to see the red throwbacks. Now, with just a little bit of that color rush adjustment to it with the shoulder striping, Mm -hmm. which I think actually makes that glorious, beautiful red... Jersey pop, but you know, that logo, it's so funny how people romance the Pat, the Patriot logo, because it's basically synonymous with futility or enduring hardship. And, you know, uh, my pal, our, our guy, Jerry Thornton's book from darkness to dynasty, you literally think darkness, Pat, the Patriot dynasty, flying Elvis. And yet people lust after it. You hear from other fan bases and other diehards around NFL nation saying, Oh my God, that's the most beautiful logo ever. Why don't they just bring it back the whole time? I'd be for it as well. I would love to see them ditch the all Navy color rush oh, and God. yes, and go and go to like a Pat, the Patriot or, or fuse them, whatever, whatever it may be. It is gorgeous. I remember that game from October, 2012. Ninko ended that game with a sack on the Sanchez forced to fumble game over. It was way closer than anybody would have thought it was or it would have been. And the next week, uh, I remember going to London and I saw the Pats absolutely dismantle the Rams at Wembley. That was when Gronk did the uh, big bang TikTok guy, like dancing like the palace oh, guard. Robot. Yeah, yeah or- well, he, he danced like the, he did the palace guard dance and right. was an absolute monster. Most fun I've ever had watching an NFL game. For anybody who ever considers going over, hopping the pond or going overseas to see an NFL game, do it. Those fans are unleashed, unhinged, and unbelievable. I love it. Uh, also, their last game in London, if I'm not mistaken. Correct. Yeah. Okay. And rumor is they might be going to play in Germany next year. Yeah, I think uh, our good our good pal Mike Reese had that back in the spring. That that seems to be, however he puts it, his sense from this view, it seems likely. Which is just Mike being polite and uh, saying this is going to happen without, yeah. you know, spoiling anything for anybody. But yeah, Pat Patriot is back. I'm delighted to see him. It's a great point by you and or Jerry Thornton, whoever made about the futility. I think it speaks to one of two things: a, the logo is just undefeated, like aesthetically mm-hmm. pleasing as any in the league, or we are all unfailingly suckers for nostalgia, something I am learning as I proceedingly get older and only want to watch old baseball or rant about new music. But we're not here for any of that. We are here for new football. As I mentioned, the Patriots are one in three. We're going to do our standard um, preview breakdown here. It's going to be when the Patriots have the ball, the Lions have the ball, three keys, two matchups, one extra point. But before we do any of that, the optimism. I asked you for two reasons in our rundown why the Patriots are going to turn this thing around. I'd assume one of them is they're going to win on Sunday, but beyond that, two reasons. What do you got? Uh, If only Sunday's game turns out to be how the Patriots played the last time they wore the red throwback jerseys against the Lions, that being Thanksgiving of 2010, 
an offensive shootout. They go down early. Brady and Deion Branch take it to a whole new level in the second half. Uh, and everyone who was thinking about dumping their deep fried turkey over their head because how could the Patriots be losing by so much on Thanksgiving with Tom Brady ended up having a happy Thanksgiving supper. That would be awesome. I doubt we'll see as many points scored this Sunday, but I do have confidence in the Patriots for a number of reasons and why I think the turnaround begins this week. One is the schedule lightening up. Um, as Evan Lazar pointed out earlier this week from Football Outsiders, now that we're a quarter-ish of the way through the season, and please, people, don't be pedantic. It's four out of 17 games, so we'll just call it the quarter-ish mark, okay? The Patriots had the fourth toughest first four games, according to uh, record, strength of schedule, et cetera, and they likely played three playoff teams in the Miami Dolphins, the Green Bay Packers, and the Baltimore Ravens. That's a tough opening gauntlet. They were in pretty much every game. I know the re- you, you are what the record says, and you're in the, you're in the cellar in the AFC East, but uh, I'm with Aaron Rodgers that they're a better team than one and three indicates. So the schedule lightens up. It's like 11th easiest the rest of the way, or it's in the lower third of the NFL. And two, like I said, with them being better than one and three, I'm buying into the idea that Sunday was the I can't believe New England is a former dynasty turned David. And they went toe to toe with a fourth round division two quarterback against the Goliath of Green Bay, A.A. Ron Rogers and the Packers. And they took it 70 minutes and they had multiple chances to win that game. If there's any point in the season, Andrew, where the New England Patriots are going to turn it around, right the ship. And let's get going. It's got to be now when you're galvanized, when there's unity and you've got momentum to build off of that game. Hell, enough with just a moral victory Monday. Let's have a momentum building week leading into a game against a winnable team that's scrappy, resilient, scores a blank load of points, but can definitely be had. Yeah, and I I would agree with with part of what you said. And I think the the biggest reason for optimism, because everything you're going to hear from them is. It doesn't have to do with the record, right? Like the record is one and three. That's what it is. It's the numbers that are underneath that are kind of indicative. And you look at DPOA, they're all between somewhere 22 to 18, like a middling below average team, offense, defense, special teams, but they're getting better every week. And this is not to say they will be better enough to win on Sunday. I think there's certainly a world in which the lions leave with a 30 to 10 win because they are, as Bill Belichick said on Wednesday, very talented, very aggressive, very explosive, which means this game could go in either direction, either extreme very quickly. But the Patriots offense, when you look at as far as the run blocking goes, certainly the play calling as much as Matt Patricia's last call in Green Bay was not so good. It's been so much better from Miami. Like this is a team that has the number one run game in the entire league. And that is something that if you told me six weeks ago was going to happen, I would have slapped you silly because it just made no sense based on what we had seen in the summer defensively, like, again, they confuse and hold Aaron Rodgers down, who was off rhythm, but Mm -hmm. there's progress here. It's just a matter of they need to get that progress going a little bit faster, not only just collectively in their performance, but obviously Mac Jones's health, and to do it enough to beat teams like Cleveland, who's 12th in DVOA, and in this column that they have called variance, which says, like, how reliable are you showing up Sunday to Sunday, is number one, meaning, like, they're 12th about every single week. And now it's a small sample, the Patriots obviously are going to get a wider sample. So they need to get better because as you mentioned, the schedule, let's forget the teams. Just talk about the quarterbacks, Jared Goff, Jacoby present, Zach Wilson, Matt Ryan break Zach Wilson. Again, those are quarterbacks who all make all the throws. 
The Patriots need to seize that, and it starts obviously with golf on Sunday. Yeah, they can make all the throws, but they can also make all of the mistakes, and they can yeah. make their make their way into panic-ridden situations or or make their way into traps, depending on how well the defense is playing, how stout the the run defense decides to actually be on that given Sunday, and how good the coverage is. And if you look at all the stuff that I know, some people say you can you know put in an envelope and mail to the other side of the world and some of the numbers guys like you and I rely on, like with the pro football focus stuff, Pats have some good cover corners as well. Jonathan Jones has played above what expectation on the outside, Jack Jones quickly emerging as a good cover corner had the game of his life. Granted it's a four game life so far in the NFL, but forcing a fumble and a pick six against Aaron Rodgers, only the second one he ever had at Lambeau. It's pretty impressive. And it's not even just because like it was a bad throw from Rodgers, which it was in a bad first half. And we're not really sure if it's, well, was Rodgers just off or did Belichick do one of those first half? He gets in the head of quarterbacks like Mahomes in the AFC championship years ago and other games where uh, like even the 2007 AFC championship where he dominated Peyton Manning, then the flu fatigue and Peyton Manning and Tony Dungy caught up to them in that heartbreaking second half loss. Uh, you know, Jack, Jack Jones played well. They can, they can cover the run defense. Yeah. It's a, it's a good point. It's, it's been surprisingly bad to this, to this point. It's almost sort of like the run defense. Like, do you ever go someplace with like a girlfriend, fiance, wife, whatever, like, and you, you want, you like, you just, you opted for the discount hotel room as opposed to like springing for the really nice chain or the luxury hotel. You walk in and you go like, Hey, listen, like TV, nice shower, two beds. What do you think? And she goes, eh it leaves a little something to be desired. That's the new England Patriots rushing defense to this point. They are the discount hotel room. That's not getting the job done. And if Lawrence guy is compromised again, sneaky detail, the rush defense was actually holding up ish against Baltimore. Once he went out the rest of that game. And then last week against Dylan and Jones, they gave up 199 yards last week, almost six yards a carry. Like that's not going to cut it against one of the better offensive lines, one of the better left tackles in football. And a guy like Jamal Williams, who runs with that Rex Burkhead style of like, I'm running into this defensive line. Like it's a building on fire and I have to save a baby from it. Like he's, he's got reckless abandon. He's everything Dan Campbell would ever want. So yeah, I, you know, you mentioned the Patriots possibly losing 30 to 10 this week. That plays yeah. into one of my keys in your pod prep for later on in the podcast um, as to how that can't happen. Well, thank you, because I was about to throw us forward after talking about nostalgia and throwback week. And there's a time and place for that. But we have already hit the 2010 season, the 07 AFC championship game, 2012, mm -hmm. uh, amid all these different games. But the reality is. None of that will matter because, again, nope. this is a game that I think the last time I checked the spread is like a, a, the Patriots are favored by a point and a half or two. So right. however you think this game is going to go, a lot of that has to do with Bailey Zappi and the fact that he's likely to start as it stands now. Um, and let's just work under that assumption because we can go back and forth about Mac, even if he does play. It will be far, far, far from 100 percent high risk of injury. He could exit. And then we're back to Zappi anyway. So when you look at Zappi, stats were fine. 10 of 15, 99 yards, one touchdown, 70% of that was off of play action. Mm -hmm. I am of the belief that the way he thrived in Green Bay is going to be predicated not so much on his own performance, but the offensive line clearing as much room as they did for the run game. And obviously Detroit falling for that play action. Again, your level of confidence in your guy, Billy Zappi, heading into Sunday. 
Okay, uh, I'll spare you the litany and run of zappy puns because uh, they every every one of them hurts more than the last one. Uh, oh, zappy day! But I, the way Bailey Zappy I hope plays Sunday is what I hope the Patriots do team wide and what they do defensively as well. Play simpler, play stronger, and play with fundamental calm. Zappy was great early on. They schemed. Uh, you know, like Matt Patricia actually started calling a really good ball game. I had no issue, barely a quibble with the play calling last week, save for when they got too conservative in overtime. And on second and five, instead of running power left again, just because Trent Brown was flexing on everybody and you were having a success going to the left side with Cole Strange and Trent Brown, even in a jumbo package, Green Bay had nine in the box. A simple play action with a boot to the right or a flick to Bourne or Parker that way would have easily gotten a first down and they could have stolen the win instead of moral victory Monday. My my confidence in Bailey Zappi mostly comes from the fact that this kid kind of seems like joyfully unflappable, even though he did get the jitters a little bit last week. A couple of plays in the fourth quarter where if he took his time and didn't let the pocket collapse emotionally or mentally upon himself, he could have found Ramondre or Parker or maybe even Bourne for a couple other first downs. So this week, you don't have quite the same defensive line coming at you. Green Bay with Kenny Clark and um, what was that guy? Greg, the guy that had two sacks on Wynn, Sean Gary, Gary. Sean Gary, who's, Preston. yeah, I absolutely just owned uh, Isaiah Wynn. I mean, honestly, he should be, he should have stayed in Green Bay because he was property of Gary after that point. Like, just absolutely destroyed. My confidence in Bailey Zappi comes from the coaching staff seeing him as a full extension of the game plan that they want that they want to execute on Sunday, the offensive line, perhaps actually improving if Marcus Cannon does start over Isaiah win this week and ever. And again, capitalizing off of the momentum you built last week, knowing if you play a simpler, stronger, calmer game, you can hang in with anybody. And look, you're going up against a like green Bay's rush defense, kind of crappy secondary, pretty good. Detroit crappy all the way through all three levels, even though there's some playmakers that we'll talk about, they are cruddy through all three levels. And if the Patriots don't make mistakes and try to do the thing that I have begged them not to do all season, beat themselves, they can easily hang with, if not get past the line Sunday. Yeah. I, I think for Zappy to me, his, you know, the focus is going to be on him. He's the quarterback. He's new. He's rookie. Mm-hmm. He's not so much the story as everyone else around him. And this is the case of where, hey, again, those stats look good. And then he dived a little deeper and didn't complete a pass under pressure. And it's a small sample. But all that speaks to is what we knew about Zappi before he played at Green Bay, which is really still what matters. Our prior knowledge, our prior perceptions, because that sample was so small mm-hmm. for him and that he's a fourth round rookie. He's a fourth round rookie who threw an interception in every single preseason game. The last of which found Isaiah Zuber, who is normally a wide receiver. Okay, like this Former Patriot Isaiah Zuba. Yeah. Playing, this, playing in the secondary. Dude, Callahan, the kid played in division two football and he didn't take a snap under center last year. Now, all of a sudden you're going to throw him in half prepared. Uh, uh, you know, you're taking a fry cook from a fast food restaurant and sticking him in a three-star Michelin French restaurant and saying like, all right, kid, go cook the meal of your life. Like, Hey, the food was pretty good. At least nobody got sick. Like this, this is a difficult situation for Bailey Zappi to play in. And as much as I jumped on board the Bailey Zappi hype train, like everybody else, I think it's a great point by you. It's more a product of everyone else elevating their game to make sure that the kid didn't have to carry the team by himself. And when I say we need to pump the brakes, just like pump the brakes a little bit 
on the Bailey Zappi hype train. It's that you're not going to see him go in this week and go 27 for 35, 307, three touchdowns and a pick. And, you know, they're going to be talking about the shootout between Zappi and Goff on NFL films. It ain't going to be like that. He, he's not going to go out there and be a fantasy football star this week. If he can play, like I said, like a, a very basic game, he does run a nice play action. I love the way he handles his play action. He hides the ball very well. He does a nice job. I remember l- last week, a couple of times watching a few of them thinking like, Ooh, those linebackers actually waited a second to see if he was going to hand that ball off because they were so run centric. And to all those people who say, well, you don't need a strong run game for good play action. Like, okay, but still a strong run game makes play action that much more effective. Those are the tenants upon which Bailey Zappi can build an effective game and an effective mistake-free game is what could help catapult the Pats to a win. Not a day for the ages, uh, like, like Fouts to Winslow 40 years ago. Now I brought 1982 to the table. Yeah. So where I was going is that he's the guy you just have to bake in about like a turnover and a half into this game saying he's, mm-hmm. he's because he's a rookie. This is a highly aggressive defense. What I'm expecting if him, my confidence is low is that the Patriots can still survive that because mm-hmm. of the reasons you mentioned Detroit's defense is terrible. You can still run the game in, but that again will depend on three players stepping up. And when I look at this roster and say, who needs to step up for Bailey Zappi to survive an interception at some point, possibly a strip sack. I mean, the sacks that he took, we're both longer than four and a half seconds, which no offensive line of the league is going to go. We got you for that long because it's just virtually impossible. You start with David Andrews, who's going to identify some of those blitzes and obviously hold up, you know, the, the quickest line to Bailey's at point A to point B in the pocket straight ahead of him. Then I look at Devontae Parker because he's the guy downfield who's going to need to win one-on-one most often. And then Hunter Henry, who's going to have his hands on a little bit of both the blocking run and pass. And then also third down, we saw him check down to him late for like a little eight route, eight yard stick route, that was fine. I think he's going to mm-hmm. go back to those tight ends because they're shorter throws, they're safer throws, bigger bodies. And if they they need those three guys to play well on Sunday because you just can't expect that from the kid. No, okay. So if you're step up, I'll go step up to the streets. Now my move. Now my pop culture references are <laughs> at least in the 21st century and still terrible. Uh, my three guys, uh, we share one in common because I was just assuming everybody would think the offensive line has to be one of your keys to the game. Like so goes the blocking and protection for Bailey Zappi, so he can buy time to complete a pass. So goes the blocking for the offensive line. So goes the run game, which makes everything more effective and keeps Detroit high-powered offense off the field. I went with a Nelson Aguilar because you can't drop a first down pass from a rookie who's in his first game action in green Bay. When you're actually hanging with a team that on paper or anywhere else that people factor in football configurations is way better than you. You got to like, he made a nice play. He came open on that pass. Now if Zappy hit him on the completion that set up the Harris touchdown in the fourth quarter, hit him earlier in stride. That actually probably would have been a touchdown. So if Aguilar can continue to work his way open and hold on to the ball this week, he gives Bailey Zappi a legitimate threat to keep Detroit's defense on their toes. Two, Hunter Henry, that's the guy we share in common. Please have a game. For God's sakes, I know the tight ends have been asked to stay in. And He's going to look great in the Pat Patriot uniform, too. Yes, he is. I know, we've seen a little snippets in the previews, mm-hmm. but this is a guy who's going to get I, – I joke that the spread for this game or whatever the Patriots for them should be swung two more points in the Patriots' direction just mm-hmm. by the virtue of the power of the uniforms. Hunter I'm going to get to that later. That's Hunter in my Henry's keys, a- dude. Over under his 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 prop bets, whatever they are, bump them up a little bit. I can't decide if I want to because I love betting props every week. Uh, I can't decide if I want to bet on Kendrick Bourne to score a touchdown 
or Hunter Henry? Because one of the two of them, if Bailey Zappi's going to throw a touchdown pass, it's going to be to one or the other. I just can't decide which. I may bet both just for the hell of it because is, is Bourne your third guy then? Not no, he's actually not. Stevenson oh. is. Oh, okay. And he and it's just it's it's as simple as uh, obviously both backs are key. It's as simple as this. Remember to chip. Like Damian Harris remembers to chip. Stevenson on that second sack that got Hoyer, that, uh, excuse me, it was that first sack that got Hoyer leveled uh, when Wynn just got flat out beat, should have chipped on his way out to getting into the flat. Hoyer held on to it a little too long as well. But Stevenson, that was his, remember, that was his first problem. That's why Ivan Fears yelled at him in the Miami game in 2021 when Elandon Roberts blew him up he, and then uh, almost got Matt killed early on. Like, you've got to chip. He's got, if he can do what he does in the run in the pass game, great, but he's also got to be a part of the line and protect. So speaking of Stevenson, I think, you know, the Lions are a high-pressure defense anyway. It's something Belichick talked about on Wednesday. They're third in blitz rate right now in the league, 37 38%. This is who they want to be and how they want to play. They are never more incentivized, as high as they're in the rankings already, than to blitz than they will be on Sunday with a fourth-round rookie quarterback and a very strong run game. So I think that will be their solution, first of all, to trying to stop Stevenson and Damian Harrison early downs. Obviously, that will limit probably the amount of play action that Matt Patricia wants to call because we saw how they responded to that and you'll say preseason, but the first preseason game where the giants are sending the house half of Billy Zappi's dropbacks and they just said, screw it. We're not calling any at all. So if the lions are able to dissuade or stop the Patriots or slow them down, you know, with that running game, are you concerned or how do you keep this from being a major problem? Because play action is going to my turn for bad pun zap a lot of their passing production from this kid. It's tough because if, I mean, Detroit, first of all, being able to just like decide this is the week we're going to stop the run. I mean, they could like Penny ran all over them last week. I mean, they gave yeah. up 48 freaking points to Geno Smith, a DK Metcalf who had to take half a quarter off so he could go hang a heater in the bathroom and Rashad Penny, for God's sakes, like their defense is terrible. They really is like they can. Yes, they blitz. Yes, I know Aaron Glenn likes to get aggressive with his play calling. Malcolm Rodriguez, who our pal Fred Kirsch at Patriots.com told me was one of his draft crushes who he thought the Patriots would have picked in the sixth round. One of the highest rated rookie defenders in the NFL is having a terrific season. Aiden Hutchinson. They could use a linebacker, too. Not to uh, skip ahead, but yeah. Yeah. And of course, Aiden Hutchinson's uh, a beast off the edge as well. Uh, but in Jeff Okuda's coverage numbers have actually increased significantly in his third year. It's nice to see him healthy and actually not being the butt of jokes, uh, coming from Detroit blogs, Twitters, and social media, but rather actually being a contributor to this defense, but the rest of it, oof, it's rough. It's okay. So it, it, it can be had. I don't think the Patriots run into any difficulty with that Detroit run game. And if the Patriots come out, yeah, lead footed thinking that the, if the offensive line doesn't like return to green Bay form, then you're putting this kid in a position where he doesn't want to go. Like if Bailey Zappi attempts over 30 passes, even if he attempts over 27 passes in this game, the Patriots are in trouble. Okay. So it sounds like you're not concerned at all. I would say, I think you're right. Like they're going to start with their bread and butter stuff. We're going to go weak side behind Trent Brown, even though we did that one too many times in green Bay, because he's 380 pounds. And when we put more guys to the right side, you have to honor that too, because those guys add up to well more than 380 pounds and we can run behind them. But there's also a way to not just say, Hey, we're going to run the ball. There are smart ways to run the ball against a high right. blitz team draws mm-hmm. traps, whams, uh, obviously some screens for Billy Zappi, very safe throws. 
I would say some more RPOs on early downs would be advantageous and not just your little bubble screen with a counter pounder run going the other way. How about a slant to a Devontae Parker routes that beat the blitz, like pairing those concepts and like letting Bailey Zappi get rid of the ball quickly, I think is a solution to all of this understanding. This is how Detroit wants to play. It might hinder you a little bit in the run game, but you can get them maybe to back off a little bit by incorporating some of those concepts early and then go to your bread and butter versus banging your head possibly against the wall with your base stuff and then going to a change up your plan B. Thousand percent. Don't open up with student body left, student body right, uh, power left, power right, uh, you know, toss crack. I know that's like one of their fail. Like Detroit's looking for all of that. Like if you get a little creative, hell, I might even open. If you want to get the kid going, you want to get the offense going and you want to get the crowd going a little play action on first down, maybe just like a quick little, even just an eight or 10, 12 yarder, maybe Aguilar or Bournes shakes open over the middle and you complete a pass. Good for another Patriots first down. (laughs) And then everyone's feeling it. And then you could like, just let Detroit know, yes, we're going to eventually do what we do. However, there's going to be a couple of wrinkles and we're going to try to use our beautiful minds. One of which we know everyone in Detroit lions universe or lions pride hates with the passion of 10,000 burning bearded sons. Our beautiful minds will outdo yours on this day. All right, let's go to the Patriots. Most beautiful mind on defense, Bill Belichick. Uh, when the lions have the ball, this is the number one scoring offense in the league, which I don't know how many times you had to reread that. I read it. I'm still rereading it this morning that the Detroit Lions averaging 35 points a game, more than the Chiefs, more than the Bucks, more than anyone is number one in the league. And that is with Jared Goff barely completing 60% of his passes. You know, we talk about DVOA all the time. There's a there's a new metric that the Detroit Lions offense runs by and it's DGAF. They do not give a blank. They really don't like I kind of love. One of the things I, I kind of love watching the Lions, and, you know, I love Dan Campbell. You're, you're one butt cheek. I'll drag you out to the water, but you need care. Like, he's he's a blast. Like he's I don't know if he's the greatest football coach, but he's an absolute rip and riot to watch, listen to, and see with his histrionics, the up-downs, and, you know, like the Zubas and the Metallica shirts. He's awesome. The team plays with the same kind of grit and speed that he kind of lives his life by. That's not necessarily always a good thing, but that makes them a lot of fun. And there's also some sneaky emerging talent that no one's talking about on the Detroit Lions, like in DeAndre Swift, who has come out of nowhere and just like become, I always thought he was just going to be another one of these cautionary tales of like a little too small, gets banged up. He's always on the shelf. Fantasy, fantasy darling who never comes to fruition. Yes, he's on the shelf again, but like when the guy's on the field, he's electric. Whatever Amon Ross St. Brown has done, yeah, coming out of the fourth round. Did you ever see something like this out of the USC kit? Like slipped to the fourth round for a reason, but he's an he's an animal. He's he's so surgical in his root running, and he's got insane hands. And he was a prototypical patriot coming out of the draft. Not the rub that and anyone else. <laughs> I trust me, trust me. I know. I weep every time, just like every other Patriots fan. Like I couldn't watch Monday Night Football because when I watch Garoppolo throw to Debo Samuel, like a small part of me dies every time. I was like. But that was our future. Yeah, <laughs> that doesn't belong to you. I, and my last guy, TJ Hawkinson, his flow, like his main, his locks are as great as his routes and his power he's running with now. You got to get someone on him early and often Sunday. 
Yeah, and that's that's the thing. I don't take any pleasure in pointing that out between Malcolm Rodriguez or Amon Runs to St. Brown. It's just when you do this for so long and you study the Patriots' tendencies in the draft and go, those guys are going to be good, or at least they'll be high-floor players, and then go elsewhere, like, they miss. But we're not here to talk about the draft. I, I look at this offense, and first of all, you mentioned DVOA. They're seventh in DVOA, so it's not quite number one in scoring. But number one in scoring counts to the matters. They keep points on the board, not DVOA rankings. Ben Johnson, their offensive coordinator, is very, very highly regarded from people that I've checked in with the league. I think he's had a couple pieces done on him publicly. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a part where you can't just go, oh, well, they'll outsmart Dan Campbell. Because also back in 2015, Dan Campbell beat Bill Belichick head-to-head, and here we go back into the past already. It's more of the point of what Ben Johnson has at his disposal is one of the best offensive lines in the league. And even when you look at, oh, Jared Goss playing quarterback, DeAndre Swift missed practice on Wednesday. So did four of the line's other top five receivers by total yards this season. Including so much so that they just signed Muhammad Sanu 10 minutes before we started recording. Thank you for saying that. Cause I completely missed. Yeah. How about that? <laughs> Muhammad, so, you worry about <laughs> Matt Patricia revenge game, Muhammad Sanu revenge game confirmed. Hey, just a quick break to tell you football is back and bet online remains your number one source for all your football betting needs this season. You'll always find the latest football odds, team matchup info, player news and game trends at bet online. And as your continued source for all your sports wagering needs, bet online features live betting, free contests and live scores, plus giveaways all season long NFL and college. But if you're not into football, why are you listening to this podcast? Also, you can find your other favorite sports, NBA, even MLB playoffs, MMA, tennis, boxing, golf. They're still playing golf. So head to betonline.ag to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus. That's 5-0, 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use the promo code CLNS50, CLNS50 to receive rewards because that's BetOnline where the game starts. And uh, bring it up. Now I'm going to forget his name. The kid... Uh... I don't think he was from Bryant uh, Kennedy who played lacrosse. Oh, Tom Kennedy. Yeah. 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 He was a, he was a preseason superstar. He's like a tight end wide receiver hybrid. Like he's never going to wow you with his speed or his routes, but he's got money hands. And he's one of those guys like that kid has like four, seven speed. How the hell does he get open every time? Yeah, it does. So all those guys dinged up outside of golf in the offensive line are question marks and downgrades, thankfully for the Patriots. But I don't think that's where their biggest concern is. It's still with the offensive line, because as you mentioned, you can run behind that line with Jamal Williams who tore up mm-hmm. Seattle last week. Good, effective, solid, useful player. And the Patriots don't have a whole lot of answers for a well-constructed run game. And when you look at this team on tape, they've got some of the most diverse run game in the entire league. And the way the Packers were gaining yards, yeah, it was mostly on the edges. You had touch passes, jet sweeps, some counters, some outside zone, you know, some spins off of that outside zone. That still concerns me as much as from a fantasy standpoint, you're not picking up any Lions, let alone Mohamed Sanu, because of their injury status. And you need to put the game, I think, on Jared Goff's shoulders. It's how they won the Super Bowl three, four years ago. But that offensive line is still there. And if they can still hand the ball off, if you, you know, because you could go either way. If they have a bad defensive performance, let's say 24 points or more allowed, because that's what Detroit Mm -hmm. has scored every single game. Does that erase any sort of goodwill for you with this defense that might have built up in weeks one and two? And in the first half of Green Bay, if they give up, say, 27 or more against the Lions? No. And because I am a full subscriber to, I'm a premium subscriber. Uh, I'm sending stars and donations to Julian Edelman's idea that he espoused this week on inside the NFL. Don't worry about making the playoffs. Don't worry about what the stats say. Just win. Just win the freaking game. 
Do you, you need to start stacking up some wins before you get concerned with metrics, with postseasons, with getting back to 500, whatever. Just win the freaking football game. Yes, that is the new New England right now. The new paradigm is the Patriots need to actually just win football games and find ways to overcome not just the other team, but the mistakes and shortcomings that they've been bringing forth in clutch moments. You can't have false starts at center field on, uh, excuse me, at the 50-yard line on a punt. You that would be a like, neat trick. No, I'll start Jackie Bradley Jr. <laughs> Take five yards. Yeah. It wouldn't surprise me at this point. Uh, you can't, you know, you can't, yeah, yeah, no false starts, no encroachments, no stupid, like you can't kill. You can't, don't be the boxer that like, you don't punch yourself. Like don't knock yourself out. Like those are the simple things. And while you said earlier, you could see a roadmap to Lions 30, Patriots 10. If this game gets out of hand, there's a surprise score. Patriots beat themselves and it's off script early. At the same time, if this game goes optimally for the Patriots, I'll take it back just to last year. I could see this maybe being a replay of the Titans game where the Patriots didn't win by as much as they did when they beat the Browns, but they won semi-handily. It could be close at times. Remember, there was no Derrick Henry, so I think it was uh, Dante Foreman and Dontrell Hilliard had pretty good games. They were throwing to a bunch of receivers you had never heard of before, and yet Tannehill was still able to move, executed play action, uh, had, a, had a really solid game, and it was closer than most people thought through two and a half quarters. Then the Patriots pulled away in the third quarter, and then it looked like a romp, but in fact, it actually was much closer. I don't care if the Pats score – if the Patriots give up 21, 24, 27, as long as they score 24, 27, or 30 and keep ahead of the Lions, you just need to win the game. And that's tough too with this D line. You got Ragnow and you got Sewell, one of the best centers in the game and top five left tackle. Like those guys, they won't yeah. be cakewalks for the Pats D. Well, and then Ragnow is practice on Friday. We'll see what comes on Sunday. Uh, as this gets published Monday morning, Sewell, even his, his bookend mate, Taylor Decker, who's on the left side, Sewell on the right yep. side, like that's probably as good a tackle duo as you'll have in the league. Cause Sewell yep. is a freak. Like this is a kid who was a top five, top seven pick for a reason, even after missing a season in college, like he's adjusted now to that right side. And it's just stopping spin moves with one arm. Like he's using the force and you just kind of go down and that's it. Even when he's out of position, like that's his right. core strength. That's his flexibility. That's his movement. So when you, I, I talked about the offensive line because it's the only thing we can count on right now going into this matchup. If you had to take away one of the run game, which obviously that offensive line will furnish against the Patriots defense, that even last week at Green, at Green Bay placed 20 snaps of three, four personnel and couldn't slow Green Bay down. Do you take away that run game to, of course, put the game on Jared Goff's shoulders? Or when the Lions are running the ball, you say, go ahead. Because every time there is a handoff, we're going to have our linebackers take a step back instead to eliminate any sort of play action because here are Jared Goff's numbers off of play action according to Pro Football Focus. Now, mind you, his baseline is he's completing 61% of his passes, 11 touchdowns, three interceptions, fine. Off of play action, that goes up to 65%. His yards per attempt goes up a full yard, five touchdowns and one pick for a passer rating that is north of 119 versus Woo! 99 on the season. So he's having a good year, but we can clearly see where Jared Goff, just as he did in LA, is kind of drawing his power. Pick one, you let them run, or you let Jared Goff at least have a chance off of play action and try to meet that run and stop that grinding. Football 101, trench beef, trench warfare, just the way Bill Belichick was taught it decades ago and the way he still likes it to this day. Take away the run, Make Jared Goff and the Lions offense 
one dimensional. Yeah, they'll get some. Yeah, they'll get they'll definitely get some of theirs. They'll complete a few passes where you say like, why the hell were you playing eight yards off that receiver? Or who who thought it was a good idea to call zone there when you probably should have run a man concept or where the hell were the safeties? Yeah, they'll get some. But also Jared Goff will make some mistakes. He'll give you some. He's still Jared Goff. Just because he's been souped, just because someone else is driving the Goff mobile and it's been souped up and altered, like it still has most of the same guts and fundamentals that Belichick and others were able to shut down in previous years. He's got arm talent. There is no doubt he's got arm talent and he may be football smarter than he is actual real life smarter. But you, you make him have to win this game on his own and then you start playing into one of the strengths of the Patriots defense, which is a sound safety core, some playmakers on the outside. And yeah, listen, you know, their, their, their corners are small. They can give up a big play. Green Bay did get behind them a couple of times last week and the game could have been over if Dobbs held on to that ball and none of us still know what a catch is. You make, you make sure that Detroit does not run and dictate the tempo and pace of the game, force it into Goff's hands. And literally if he has another four touchdown game, and the Tom Kennedys of the world uh, and the Muhammad Sanus or whoever the hell else catches passes from them Sunday owns you and they come in and they beat you 34 to 27. That's the old like tip your cap. And well, then people will turn to the sides of the stadium on the way out and go, yeah, I knew they were going to play like they used to when they wore Pat the Patriot. Let's just stick <laughs> to the fly and Elvis next time. Yeah, I see. Here's the thing. My as I'm building this rundown instinct was to disagree i want to take away the play action that's where you get any sort of semblance of explosive plays anything off of that like you know keep jared goff in drop back situations take your five yards or four yards great move the right. chains eventually we'll get to the red zone we'll stop you there however when you look at the way that detroit is gaining a lot of their explosive plays yes there are some off of that play action downfield but their offensive line and some of their deeper running statistics they are some of the best they are one of the best rushing teams in the open field. Open field rank is one of these other football outsider stats where, you know, they're in the same range as the Patriots and short yardage and how many yards before contact. That's a credit to run blocking. However, when they hand the ball off to a Jamal Williams, and potentially DeAndre Swift, these guys are number three in the league at getting yards on their own downfield. That's where they're getting their explosive plays. So I think you need to keep this an early down game, particularly as the number 31 run defense right now by DVOA. I don't think that's entirely a credit. To Lawrence Guy, it's been some really shoddy play from Juwan Bentley the last two weeks. Who look if he's not stopping the run, there's not a whole lot of reason to have Juwan Bentley, who is excellent in that area. On That's the what field. he does. Yeah, Matt, yeah. Mac Wilson has been benched for two straight games. Jelani Tavai is not inspiring any sort of uh, confidence at that second level. There's a reason they signed Jamie Collins basically on Monday and tried out four other linebackers the same day. So I am with you. You need to stop the run first and foremost. And if Jared Gross wants to hit a crosser to someone who is either injured or might be Mohamed Sanu, good for you. Because at least right. you, you have more confidence in those matchups one-on-one -on -one than you do against these running backs who are walking explosive plays themselves. A thousand percent. And I couldn't agree more that the linebacking core, which we all thought was reasonably suspect and they should have addressed further in the draft. And obviously the Cam McGrone project didn't work out as Matt Groh and Bill Belichick would have liked. It's it's a it's a disappoint it's a disappointment. Like you're reaching back into the Jamie Collins well, fourth times the charm coming back, traveling down the Patrick Chung reclamation, re-signing with the Patriots Memorial Highway. Like that's a desperation move. All their linebackers have been on skates the last couple of weeks. Like they're out of place all the time and just getting bull rushed and tossed out of the way. They've been a complete non-factor. And 
enough with Tavai. I'm sorry, like this has got to come to an end. So that's why I'm introducing a new segment on your podcast called Fire One Into the Sun. Jelani Tavai or Miles Bryant? Oh, no. See, I talk to these guys in the locker room three, four times a week. This is not happening. I know, I know, Which, I know. The Tavai stuff also is weird. To They're me both, because- oh, I've interviewed Miles Bryant too for the Patriots on draft night. He is a very, very nice person. He's a good soundbite. He's a confident young guy. He's very Patriot way. I can say like, he does a little bit of everything very well. I think he just keeps getting put in positions where the, like the moment or like the player or the talent and speed are a little too much for him. He's a great special teams player who can play for you in the secondary in a pinch, but they've leaned on him too much. And Jelani Tavai, the same thing. Like yes, he's just, yeah. the, like, the amount he, of playing time he got on defense last year was appropriate for Jelani Tavai, a guy yes. who in a pinch break glass in case of emergency. There he is on the edge in the middle. That's fine. Five to six snaps a game playing the last three quarters in overtime in Green Bay, not great, but he's playing in all four units and special teams. Just the amount of outrage that instantly started on Tavai early in the season. I even tweeted about this, and it was like my most ratio tweet of, I don't know how you have strong feelings about this guy as a Patriots fan, because he didn't play last year. Like, no. he could change. He's young. He's a former second-round pick. Even if he's overdrafted, there's some talent there. Now that he's played poorly, sure, I get it. It's just like people who have those strong feelings should either be direct family members or people who root for the Lions. So we'll see how this goes on Sunday, but let's get to uh, three keys, two matchups, one extra point, and then we got to run through mailbag, which is actually pretty big. Uh, my two keys, a fast start. Like this is a game you need to keep on schedule for yourselves, dictate the terms of engagement, and however you need to manufacture that, I say go into your bag of trips, Billy Zappi, get that early score. My second one, the negative plays. Like they could be penalties, like you mentioned. They could be sacks that Zappi takes after four or five seconds. Just eliminate them. Zero yards in this game is okay. Throwaways, incompletions, the occasional run stuff, whatever. You just can't Chuck go and backwards duck, baby. with this kid. Chuck and duck. Yeah, that's it. So those are my two. What do you got? Uh, my key for the game, uh, defense needs to step up early. You cannot afford to go down by two scores. Not when you have a rookie quarterback, fourth rounder, making his entering his second game, his first start at home. The defense, if the Patriots offense takes a while to get going, let's say Detroit with their blitz um, in an an early quarter effort, like they're able to not snuff out the Patriots run, but stifle it enough that it's not effective enough to have some sustained drives. The defense cannot give up a quick strike or just like, where was everybody on that 53-yard pass play? You can't afford a 27-yard draw play to Jamal Williams or a screen pass that almost goes to the house. So the defense has to be stout early, cannot go down by two scores in the first half or at all, but especially uh, early in the game. That's my, that's like my biggest key. Cause I, I think the Patriots offense will take a little time to get going, but if you want to get a crowd behind you and this crowd, this is the closest you're probably ever going to get to like a lit Gillette stadium crowd this season. It is going, it is resplendent and pat, pat the Patriot and uh, Patriots red, the special font, the red, the decor, like it's, they have done it up at Gillette this week. You're going to see a million red jerseys, people shopping for all the throwbacks, bringing out their Brady and Gronk and uh, Brewski red jerseys from old. This crowd wants to go wild. This crowd wants to have fun. They're going to get behind you if you can get up early and not make the mistakes that you've been making leading to these early season defeats. So give this crowd that wants to get involved in this game and see a big win and cheer on the zappy kid a chance to do just that. I was trying to think of the other game that might be contender left on the schedule for a more lit crowd, which means tailgating and time to drink. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if there's a 405 game 
that I'm forgetting. It might be like Buffalo. Well, that's a Thursday night game. Right. Not important, but I think you make a great point because you're counting a great weather, low 60s. Mm-hmm. All the nostalgia is coming back. Even yep. if you're a little upset about Billy Zappi, like some sort of anxiety is going to usher you into that stadium being, I need to be a little bit louder today because yeah, if we lose, and, we're one and four. Right. Like, and Andrew, the ratings were good last week too. Like people watched that game. Like that game yeah. did very well. And I think a lot of people started telling their friends and each other, like, Hey, this Zappi kid might, might be for real. And also like the Pats showed up in that game. If they can bring some of that s- similar energy to this game Sunday, they might be able to win. So Make the crowd a fat. What the next game is a Monday nighter against the Bears, and then you play the Colts. Like, no, this is the game to get the crowd going. All right, uh, two matchups. My matchup, I mentioned him already. Penny Sewell. You could also go with Taylor Decker on the left side, and you know the Patriots flip flop their their edge players, be it Matt Judon, Dietrich Twise, Anthony Jennings when they're playing base. Those guys need to win, and at least partly because you need to dissuade Detroit for making some of these bootleg play action throws where get off is going to hand off in one direction. If you stop that run, like, you know, there's no reason to fake the run and come off the play action because it just hasn't been effective. You need to win on the edges like that. That's where this game is going to be had because at least up the middle, you've got a little bit more help, you know, with Bentley, who I mentioned, who I just have to imagine is going to play better, but the way green Bay was running around the edges, losing those time. And again, was a huge problem. And so I think you look at, taking away, talk about one of their best players, which even Dan Campbell was talking about Wednesday. I face Belichick. This is what he's going to do. Remove the strength, blah, blah, blah. The strength again is the offensive line. And one of those two tackles, the Patriots need to hold up on that edge. Agreed. Uh, And remember that 2015 game where Dan Campbell went toe to toe, mano a mano with Bill Belichick was, as I like to say, one of the most obtusely Belichickian games where in the first half against Miami, who they should have just been able to get out and beat roundly and secure home field throughout the playoffs, Belichick decides, well, we're not going anywhere unless we can have an effective run game. So they hand it off to Steven Jackson, three out of every four plays in the first half. Steven Jackson moved like an old man getting out of an armchair after falling asleep for three hours watching network TV. Like it was awful. It was a terrible game, terrible plan and terrible execution. Uh, I think you'll see a completely different game this Sunday. My two key matchups are number one, cannon or win against Hutchinson. Don't give the the hotshot rookie a chance to like make NFL films and validate his draft slot and make, and have everyone be like, I saw this kid on hot knocks. Like I knew he was going to be a beast. Like this guy's awesome. Also his sister's wicked hot. And so is his mom. <laughs> um, if you're, if you're a member, like good looking family. Um, so what, whoever it is, you can't let this kid have a Gary like effect, like Rashawn Gary had in the first half last week in green Bay. And the other one is uh, Duggar or Phillips or whoever is on Hawkinson. Uh, whatever safety gets assigned to a slightly banged up, but probably still good to go. TJ Hawkinson, who almost had 200 yards receiving last week. My guy, Chris Scheim at WEI pointed out to me, Hawkinson was such a beast last week. Two of his catches each alone. One of two catches had more yards than Hunter Henry has had on the season. Wow. Because Hawkinson had a 75 yarder, and then I think like a 50 something yarder, like he had more yards receiving in one of each of two catches than Hunter Henry has on the season. That's how explosive that guy can be. So Phillips, Duggar, whatever safety gets assigned to him, man the blank up and get ready. That's a that's a great shout, and that's a huge match because Duggar is still limited, but at least played last week far less than Phillips did. But Phillips, of course, was beat by Pat Fryermuth in the red zone in that uh, game at Pittsburgh. But again, we're going backwards. All right, Ford, uh, one extra point. Any other thought, thing we haven't covered, talked about relative to this game that's just kind of on your mind? Uh, I brought up the energy for the crowd, which was one of my undermines. And I'm just going to now go back to a drum 
that has been beat on so much early on this season that the skin is getting to the point where you may want to take it to like Guitar World or your local you know music shop and get it reskinned. Get Kendrick Bourne involved in this game, for God's sakes. What is the deal with not wanting to use somebody who every time he touches the ball makes plays and gains yards? I do not understand the the hesitation in getting Kendrick Bourne more involved. Jet sweeps, handoffs, uh, quick you know, quick slants, long passes, outs, over the middle, whatever, and play action. Get Kendrick Bourne involved. He's an energy guy. You want the energy of the crowd. You want confidence in Zappi. You want to keep Detroit off the field. Utilize your best playmaker. Get Bourne involved. I'm with you. I uh, I banned myself from mentioning Ramondre Stevenson early in the season, hyping him up as season. So we're getting close to that with Kendrick Bourne and needing to get him the ball. Something I mentioned in the intro, but it's because it's so obvious. One last thing on Hutchinson you mentioned. Um, talking to guys in the locker room yesterday. Sense I got is they're not all that afraid of him. Now, I'm not saying there's not reason to be, but there's kind of, we know what he is. He's raw. I think he'll come into his own. But for now, like, shouldn't be too much of a problem. We'll see because all Isaiah Wynn has had this season are problems. I'm not saying I talked to him about this, but the general sense offensively is that I think they'll be okay. But it's really just that edge group in the corners the Patriots have to worry about because everywhere else on defense for the Lions is. So, correct. Um, Mailbag. We got four. Uh, Ryan R wants to know what's up with Christian Barmore. I got an email about this uh, last week and it's, I think this is a function of not meeting expectations that they didn't set in the building. This has become a a hype thing, but they're very excited for him. We talked about him a lot. I'm not saying it was unfounded or undeserved as we're watching him in training camp on the PFF stats, which in my opinion, they get very liberal with their, pressures that they're recording like if you get close but don't affect the quarterback is that a pressure I think in every instance they seem to mark down yes so when Barmore has as many as any rookie since Aaron Donald naturally expectations are sky high what he's done though is record definitively by my charting at least one pressure every week he has a sack and according to ESPN last week he is one of the most double teamed defensive tackles in the league right. at about seventh or eighth so that's basically what's happening with Christian Barmore. He is not Aaron Donald, okay? He, but he's in position on third downs, not always coming through. That's also just life as a guy who rushes from the interior. Yeah, and I remember at the Vince Wilfork uh, Patriots Hall of Fame enshrinement, uh, Vince Wilfork talked about like two-gapping being very boring, but that's where real men go out and get the job done. And Belichick, you know, saluted him for that as well. And taking on double teams and always being willing to go up against an offensive line's best and just dealing with the fact that they're game planning around you. Christian Barmore has the talent that merited all that preseason hype leading places like NFL.com and others to say like Patriots potential next pro bowl or could be an emerging star on the defensive line. So I'm not out on him by any stretch whatsoever. Like it's just tough. Like you're sometimes when you're on the interior, like you said, you're going to get some and you'll make plays. And sometimes you're just going to try to clog lanes and it's really unsexy. So I think Barmore will still be heard from. You're yeah. just not gonna you're you're not gonna hear from him the same way that you would like a game where Judon gets three sacks and everyone's like, whatever they paid him, it's worth it. And Belichick should extend him right now. Like it's an unsexy job, but I think I think he's doing just fine. But guys like you know, my six rings podcast partner and uh post-game show guy, Andy Hart, he was all in on him being like pro bowl or all NFL this year. Like he's got the talent, it's a process. 
Yeah. And sometimes that gets to be an us problem, not a Christian Barmore problem. Correct. And, and Correct. if he, if he didn't have a pressure every single game or a sack, which I think was an extended play, then you look at it. Okay. What he's not, what is he not doing? Well, he's not playing perfectly. He's not playing great. It's solid. That's it's a little right. better than what you saw last year, but um, a lot of football to go. Speaking of a lot of football to go, Bob Dylan, the 81 year old Bob Dylan apparently is on Twitter. Very long handle. Wants to know, of course, it's not really Bob Dylan. It's easier uh, to understand him when he types as opposed to sings. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> he says uh, or asks, what record does New England need over the next two games for the season not to be irretrievably off the rail? Maybe this is Bob Dylan, irretrievably. Do they need to go 2-0? and Can they go 1-1? and Either Detroit or Cleveland or walkover. Some might think they're both ahead of New England and DBOA. Uh, Detroit, one spot up. Uh, is 2-4 and four good enough, which would be the record if they do go 1-1? Or do they need to go and beat both these teams that have playoff hopes? I am going to say this uh, quickly. They can go one and one and still have a chance at the playoffs. Is that chance good? No, no, it's bad. But I tend to reserve the must win games for games you literally must win. And I will also say that I get a little bit more confidence from two games against the Jets that sandwich a game against the Colts. Let's say you split with the Lions and Browns, you sweep those games, you were then five and four heading into the back half of your schedule, which is difficult, but then you've got a little bit of quote momentum and uh, you're in a position that a lot of teams will be come week nine or 10. I would like to take it with a calibration of expectations. Now we're getting into longer words in a more Dylan-like capacity. If your hope or your want and need is for the Patriots to make the playoffs, then yeah, they need to win both of these next two games because they've shown the ability to hang in, but somehow find a way to shoot themselves in the foot in games that are winnable or winnable-ish. If your hope, like myself, is, okay, great, playoffs would be fine, but I can't see them possibly going very far in a world where Buffalo, Kansas City, and maybe potentially a few other teams stand, or Cincinnati even, who they play on Christmas Eve. Merry Christmas, Dad. I hope you like a 17-point loss. Uh, You know, if your hope is that this team improves and you find more pieces that are a part of your long, near, immediate, and long-term future, like Jack Jones, like Marcus Jones, uh, like Cole Strange, like a really solid potentially 2022 draft class, Tyquan Thornton, who was back at practice this week. We'll see when he actually gets reactivated. Then, yeah, they can afford to go one-on-one as long as they play good football and they're in both of these games. I think between the two, you need to win this one for the home fans and to get back on track and then bring some confidence and momentum into the Cleveland game where you know it's going to be chub, hunt, hunt, chub, 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 hunt, play action percent, chub, 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 hunt, hunt. Say say those very carefully. Back back. To I that. did. Chub and I will not use the portmanteau no. that is their two names combined on this podcast. Yes, yes very good. Uh, yeah, look, I, I think we'll all feel much better if you are either a fan or someone who's uncertain as a journalist about the quality of this team if they do go 2-0, 3-3. Oh, and three. But let's say you lose to the Jets the week after. Uh, How do you feel then? You're three and four. Technically the place you would be if you go one and one and then beat the Jets. You know, mm-hmm. like that, that, that's my thing. We can go week to week on this. I would just say you you need, you can't lose both these games. You lose both no. these games season over, no doubt about it. But as far as going one and one, you just then need to win your next three games. It's not great, but it's not, it's not possible. Uh, right. Two more. You mentioned Taekwon Thornton. Um, truck, official truck wants to know who leaves the field to give Thornton snaps. Do you think they consider him a run blocker like they used him in the preseason? Yeah, I mean, Taekwon Thornton can can run block, but he is a speedster. He is a take the top off the defense kind of guy. Um, I think this comes down to Bourne or Aguilar. I think there's an argument for um, Devontae Parker to also see his snaps reduced, probably go back to the rotation. We saw in week two, week three. 
But I also would say this. I heard some rumblings that uh, Taekwon would have been in the mix to start week one had he been healthy. So Ooh. there is Ooh. a potential that you look at that team in this receiving group and there will be some really hard decisions to make because this not only affects the receivers, but your tight ends, some of your running backs and how you use them in terms of just, are you going to be 11 personnel the whole time, 12 personnel? Um, but so far, so good. It seems like his recovery is going on well. Any uh, dispute there? We got one more. No, no dispute at all. As a matter of fact, I just can't wait. If there was that kind of hype that they were so confident or at least so impressed by what they saw in the preseason that he may have been in line to start week one, then let the season of difficult decisions begin because difficult decisions like that are good decisions, not desperation decisions like, wow, who should we elevate? Uh, little Jordan Humphrey or Trey Nixon? You know what I mean? Like, Who's going to start this week because we have no healthy bodies at receiver? Like if that you can't really take any more plays away from Kendrick Bourne, nothing from nothing leaves nothing to quote the great Billy Preston. So you can't really take anything away from the Bourne that doesn't exist. I I wouldn't mind seeing a little less Parker. That's fine. Just because yeah. he'll be then when he's in, he's more effective and you know what he's there to do. Not trying to stretch him out all over the field. Fewer 50 fifties or 80 twenties. I can't wait to see Tyquan Thornton come in. And my one hope, Andrew, is that he's durable the rest of the season. Because if he gets hurt again, then all of those thin wrist, too slight for the NFL, made of sugar glass and the recycled parts of J.D. Drew jokes will come to fruition, and that would suck. Yeah. Um, all right, this last one from Jake on Twitter. Through four weeks, what kind of improvements, parentheses, or setbacks, have you seen from this team relative to last year? From Jake's perspective, they seem more mentally and physically tough as more athletic on both sides of the ball. I think, Jake, um, you're pretty spot on there. And this was something they set out to do is get tougher in the offseason. I think as far as setbacks go, the quarterback play has not been better than it was last year. It has been worse. Will that continue? Um, I don't know. We'll see. Uh, but I think it's possible. Running game has certainly been better. Run blocking. Um, Damian Harris and Stevenson both took a, a mini leap. I think you've got better receiving depth. But defensively, like the things you're doing really well right now are are pretty much just tackling. So some decent cover corners, but guys like Jonathan Jones uh, is still giving up touchdowns. Jalen Mills is on and off. And that's probably where your setbacks are. We're playing quarterback and then stopping the pass. Uh, two big areas in football in 2022. Continuing to be funny how that works. huh? I yeah. would say three things. Uh, I think this team has even more heart or, or tough resilience, whatever you want to say, more gut to them now. And it's funny because they're all seemingly – on paper or on the field, maybe not record-wise, not as good. I think we thought they were a better team at one and three last year than people do, but that could be a byproduct of too much media mayhem and people crapping on the team in the offseason. So I think they have even more heart. Number two, the offensive line is tougher and is play and is playing better than I think they did last year. I think Cole Strange was an awesome addition. Mike Unwenyu has really, really, really certified himself as an excellent right guard. Um, he's worth all of the hype right now. Trent Brown, when motivated like he was last week, whatever relit the pilot light on him, just keep it going. Keep feeding the whatever keeps that bright, you know, giant 380-pound ember burning. And number three, they're faster. They said, like, Matt Groh, uh, Troy Brown, Gerard Mayo said they wanted to become faster and more explosive. Now, sometimes those explosions go the wrong way, but they are definitely uh, and they have more heart. The offensive line has uh, grit and an edge, and they are definitely faster. So those are the three improvements that I see from 21 to 22. Yeah, no doubt about it. And you go back to week four to week five last year, they completely abandoned the run against Tampa, which had probably the best run defense league at that point with Vita Vea and company up front. So, of course, you just 
okay, let's stop banging our head against the wall. Then they go on the road, beat Houston in that week five game. That's Ooh. when you start to generate some heart. You have no offensive linemen, all of that. Like this is a and similar Harris script. comes in. Yeah. You like, you almost got play like special teams, like mistakes, giving up big touchdowns. Davis mills almost punks you and Mac Jones, but they came back in that game and started a little bit of a run. Yeah. And so I'm not saying that'll happen here again. I think with, with the way, how aggressive Detroit wants to play defensively, but a whole lot deep shots on offense, like an offensive line that could maul you and spring explosive runs. Like, this could swing in either direction, but I think if you do win against this type of team and prove that you're disciplined and kind of playing the long game approach, which is what the Patriots are known for, um, works, then that gives you everything you need moving forward to be more teams like the Lions who have a little less talent, as we mentioned, the Jets, Browns, and Colts. But uh, all right, man, we went over an hour. So I think we are thoroughly As previewed. we are want to do. We are previewed and prepped out. Uh, I'll give you a prediction because it's always sure to yeah. go wrong, and I can't wait to get – Freezing cold taken on this one. Patriots 30, Detroit 24. And are you ready for this? If anyone out there likes betting the little propositionals like I do, mm. I think Marcus Jones takes one to the house this weekend. Wow. I have to imagine the odds of that are taller than him. <laughs> That's not asking a lot out of a secondary that barely is tall enough to ride this ride without adult supervision. But <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was so impressed with him last week. Like for a guy to only be returning kickoffs one week and already you're leading the NFL in kickoff return average, your eyes didn't lie. You saw somebody who is quick, decisive, and has some juke and twitch on him. So much so that I don't want him to get stretched out so far that he has to play corner. But if he says, hey, coach, uh, can I do a Charlie Woodson and maybe go catch a couple passes? You say yes. They used him like that at Houston where, I don't know, he was one of the best returners all time in college football. So, yeah, I would say keep him back to kick return, maybe even punt return. And, yeah, get the ball in his hands. Like, you need that explosiveness, which you're not getting from a hobble Jacoby Myers, Devontae Parker, or Nelson Aguilar if he's dropping balls like he did Sunday. But moving forward, Nick Fitzy Stevens, modern day Pat Patriot, back on Pat's Interference. Love to have you, buddy. Thank you very much. Hold on one sec. I got to show you this before we go. People on audio surviving are from my basement for almost 40 years time. Oh, check it. An so describe it for the folks who are listening only. I know. Sorry for anyone who's not watching on the YouTubes. I just busted out a 1985 New England Patriots vintage Pat the Patriot painter's cap that I was given for my 11th birthday right before they played the Miami Dolphins, in the AFC championship and won before they got their asses stomped by the Chicago Bears. So you're going to have, you're going to wear that for all the festivities, all the, you know, commercial break stuff you're doing on Sunday, right? Oh, he's putting it on now. Wow. It doesn't even come close to me. <laughs> it looks like a kid's beanie on my mega squash, but hell man, I'll have it with me Sunday. You have a great one. I hope the Patriots do go Pats and uh, looking forward to a throwback to the days when the Patriots used to score more points than the other team. Yeah. We'll catch up down the road. All right, brother. Good talks.